0: Welcome to episode 64 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by more insights and strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. And uh, just today, AT&T and Cisco announced a partnership supporting 5G Internet of Things. And um, <clears throat> this is, you know, squarely, you know, focused on, you know, their mid-band deployment. And uh, also sub six as well, but you know, what, so what are the implications and use cases? So from my perspective, this, you know, I I think one of the biggest opportunities is to support, you know, smart camera deployment and the applications in my mind are are limitless when you consider manufacturing retail and and ag tech as well. And I've talked about ag tech on prior uh, podcasts. So, um, I think it's a strong announcement. You know, Cisco has got you know quite um, an investment in IoT, and and obviously you know AT and T has had a platform for some time. Both companies enjoy a pretty strategic partnership. When you you know look at the fact that from a collaboration standpoint, you know AT and T is basically you know white labeling um, the uh, the Cisco Webex platform. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I think it's. <clears throat>
1: I think it's a natural development of things. Uh, If you look at kind of where AT&T is and where Cisco is, um, they both need a partner to complete the solution, um, specifically for, you know, industrial IoT. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think both companies are known and trusted brands in the space. Um, So it seems like partnering together um, makes a lot of sense. And I think that we probably will see more of these kinds of partnerships happening as more companies start to mature their 5G and IOT offerings.
0: Yeah. And I think um, when you look at the carriers in the U.S., I think, you know, we haven't heard a lot from T-Mobile with respect to its IOT strategy. I mean, obviously prior to the, uh, the merger with Sprint, Sprint had invested quite a bit in their curiosity IOT network, but that was more or less suited to sort of solutions in a box for more SMBs. But I but I expect that we'll probably be hearing from T-Mobile in the not too distant future with respect to their IoT strategy. And, you know, Verizon's Verizon, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're definitely in third place with respect to, you know, just overall 5G deployment in general. And they're probably, Verizon's probably more focused on figuring out how to get their, you know, their C-band assets, you know, rolled out and then they'll probably pivot to IoT. But I agree with you. Um, this is, you know, from my perspective, a best of breed partnership. It'll be interesting to see how things mature as, uh, as it progresses. So with that, let's move to your first topic this week. And you want to talk about uh, GSA and a report that was recently published on an update on 5G deployments.
1: Yeah, so we've been covering these for a while now. Um, but GSA gives us really good, you know, flags uh, in the ground kind of understand where the market is at today. So um, they have reported that uh, by mid this month, uh, there were 461 operators in 137 countries investing in 5G, but a total of 176 operators in 72 countries have already launched one or more 3GPP compliance 5G services. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's interesting is they also added some uh, device updates. So uh, the GSA has tracked now 938 announced 5G devices up by 350 from 588 six months ago. Mm -hmm. And they've also identified 450 announced 5G phones up from 350 of January this year. Um, So we're seeing a significant uptake uh, or uptick in 5G device uptake. Um, And it's just interesting to see that uh, we're not really seeing it slowing down. And honestly, I think, you know, I've seen some people mention this that it almost doesn't even seem necessary to mention 5G in a device's name anymore. Like we're seeing in a lot of devices simply because the vast majority of devices available today are going to be 5G.
0: I didn't um, get a chance to look at this report uh, before the podcast, but I'm curious, did they do any sort of breakout on standalone versus non-standalone? Because I think that would be interesting uh, from a factoid perspective.
1: So they did talk about standalone. Um, Let me just quickly scan it. But I think... They said, let's see, standalone. Yeah, so they said that that 13 operators have 5G standalone networks. Okay. All 45 are planning or deploying 5G SA for public networks, and an additional 23 are involved in tests and trials. So um, we're we're seeing a lot of uptake in in, um, standalone, like we had suspected would happen this year. Yeah. Um, And I think before the year's over, we'll probably see that number. Uh, of you know complete five G SA rollouts, uh, probably being in the dozens as opposed to a single Baker's dozen.
0: Yeah, so and I'll do my homework, so I mean i'm I'm assuming this is published quarterly, correct?
1: I believe so, yeah.
0: yeah, so we'll have another opportunity on a future podcast to to review it and i'll I'll spend some more time, you know prior to that podcast and yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to have a deeper discussion around that and see where, where, you know, standalone is landing. So good stuff, but that's sort of a nice segue to my second topic this week. And I wanna talk about China. We've talked about China in the, on prior podcasts and how aggressive they've been in, you know, deploying, you know, um, ran, you know, upgrades to 5G and core and all of that good stuff. But um, news came out this week that um, there's been a, um, a slowdown, in uh, CapEx investment and on the hardware side uh, for the first half of the year. And so, you know, what's to blame here? You know, and, and from my perspective, and you'll probably agree with this, it's, it's likely tied to um, entity listings and their inability to get silicon, you know, for a, lot of, for a lot of this hardware, for a lot of these base stations, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, the slowdown is pretty significant. You know, they talk, you know, I, I read across you know, the three major operators within China, the CapEx reductions you know, prior to um, you know, other, other quarters and, uh, and whatnot in the past, slowed anywhere from, from 30% to 45% in CapEx spend. Um, but with many of them saying that they expect to close that gap by the end of the year, but I don't see the semiconductor shortage happening, you know, ending anytime soon. So I think that's probably a very you know optimistic estimate on their part, but would love to get your insight on this topic.
1: Um, I think something to consider as well is that um, the Delta wave has actually hit China harder okay. than um, I think the government is well, willing to admit, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate, but that's just the way things work in China. Yeah. Um, I, I think because of the delta wave we are seeing limited supply of a lot of goods, um, and services in China. Um, and we're also, like you said, I think the, the chip shortage is absolutely a factor as well. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a combination of, you know, when you have to lock down the city, um, and you're rolling out a network, uh, network engineers, unless they're fixing a network are unlikely to be allowed to be exempt from lockdowns. So, yeah, um, I think that might be a factor in it as well. So I think we are seeing a combination of multiple factors. And I do think it's possible that they they can actually, you know, make up for some of their losses. But, um, you know, they're they're also pretty far ahead in terms of actual number of sites deployed versus pretty much any other country. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think there's a little bit of COVID and a little bit of chip shortage that, that kind of plays into this
0: yeah that's that's great insight on the on the COVID piece. Let's move to your second topic this week. You want to talk about India's Department of Telecommunications and 5G?
1: Yeah, so it's very interesting because um, the Department of Telecommunications in India is actually responsible for the 5G auctions. Um, and they were saying that they are going to likely delay the auction, the big 5G auction, uh, for the three big carriers in India. Um, and they're saying that there's a chance that, um, the, the auction might even be held as late as mid 2022, which is problematic because then we probably won't see any operators launching with services until 2023. Mm -hmm. So that puts India at a significant disadvantage. And in addition to this potential delay, um, the department of, uh, telecommunications in India is also pushing for a proprietary um, I don't even know call proprietary but it's part of the 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 what's been approved by the ITU um, and I think even the 3GPP might be involved as well but basically um, the telecommunications standard society and IIT which is like a really well-known university in India have developed a joint version of 5G called 5GI, which is obviously specifically catered towards India Mm -hmm. and has um, specific feature improvements to improve signal transmission range, which is called LMLC, which is low mobility, large cell. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it does is it's supposed to help improve rural coverage, which I completely understand considering India's Size and population and geography, uh, and how many people they're trying to cover, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I understand the problem. The issue is that a lot of operators, one, haven't even started to test 5GI. None of their current tests are using 5GI, which is a problem. But it also tells you that the operators don't want to take on the burden of potentially needing new equipment or upgraded equipment to support 5GI. So, um, there's a lot of um, disagreements about 5GI specifically, but the government seems to be wanting to mandate it. And this indigenously developed substandard 5G is becoming a problem because it might actually increase the cost of hardware and software yeah. for these operators because no one else in the world is using it right now. Right. And India's entire you know telecommunications model is based on low cost yeah. and allowing for scale to take care of the rest. So, it's a very complicated problem, but I do think that the um DOT in India is definitely mucking things up and they need to kind of um reassess because I think that they are going to um put India at a disadvantage because they were late to 4G as well and uh you know being late to 5G is not a good thing for the Indian economy.
0: Yeah. Um I'm curious, so you know I, I'm, I'm familiar with this 5GI, but from your perspective, I mean, are any of the major infrastructure providers, you know, willing to support it? You know, like the Ericsson's, the Nokia's, the Samsung's, the Huawei's of the world.
1: I haven't heard anything. Um, I haven't had a chance to really like delve deeply enough to ask, but I have a feeling that even if they were, I'm not sure that the operators are willing to pay whatever it will cost Right. these infrastructure vendors to support it because yeah. it's going to it's going to have to require new software supposedly new hardware um in my opinion what the indian government should be doing is investing in more low band spectrum yeah
0: and freeing up
1: low band spectrum to improve coverage
0: right um,
1: maybe something in the 400 megahertz like they used to use in finland um and and cover rural areas there because you know, I have friends who have cabins out in Finland, and they have they have four G service and three G service out in their cabins in the middle of the woods because of four hundred megahertz.
0: Right. Yeah, I know it's interesting. And you know, instead of the the Indian you know government just sort of throwing this to the operators, I mean, they ought to also you know be thinking about you know investing in you know. And I'm going to talk about this as, on my third topic with South Korea, but getting the government to invest in, you know, sort of incubating, you know, not only companies that that potentially have the capability, you know, from an R and D perspective to go, um, you know, explore this, you know, this 5G I thing, but, you know, just also in, just in general, stand up, you know, sort of proof of concept labs and that sort of thing. So that, you know, these operators can sort of cut the time to deployment. Cause to your point, I mean, India is not a wealthy um, country and they don't have unlimited resources or they don't have the same amounts of resources that, say, European, you know, countries, you know, have as well as, you know, the U.S. And so I think they may be sort of missing something there and, and just sort of throwing the gauntlet and, you know, and not kind of following that back up with, hey, you know, some additional investment and, you know, kind of proof of concept to get this thing off the ground. But we'll definitely I want to do some more research here. And, you um, as, you know, things materialize, come back, and we can talk about it more, but um, we'll actually, we'll move to my third and final topic this week, and um, that's that's a good segue. Um, it was announced, I think it was last week, that, you know, South Korea, the government plans to incubate, I believe the number is 1,800 5G service-oriented companies over the next five years, and what I also read was that Within that that nearly two thousand, you know, kind of company goal, um, there's also a goal to carve out nearly a hundred entities that are that are going to be purely focused on R&D, and um, you know, you know, I I think you know from my perspective, this will continue to extend South Korea's leadership in five G. We've. We've talked about their leadership specifically in, you know, discrete services. It's been very consumer oriented, um, but that's um, very quickly moving into the enterprise, which that's where I believe the majority of the transformative, you know, um, 5G services will occur. But it just seems to me that South Korea just continues to fine tune their approach to 5G where a lot of places like India aren't even off the ground yet, but I would love to get your insight and opinion on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big part of like their their big investment, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that the South Korean economy today is benefiting from bets that they made on semiconductors, you know, many, many years ago. And now you have some of the biggest semiconductor companies in the world in, in South Korea, um, as well as some of the biggest display companies in the world. So um, I think we're seeing the Korean government continue to understand long-term investments and they clearly they clearly believe in uh investing in um you know technology uh and and how that can advance their economy the global economy and south korea's role in that global economy so
0: which is funny because
1: this kind of also leads into my next topic
0: yeah so um i've been reading about this you know 6g and Uh, There's been a lot of news around LG, but you want to talk about um, a trial with Samsung.
1: Yeah, so these are two separate items, um, but they both are 6G related, which is why I kind of smacked them together. The um, LG 6G terahertz uh, trial is a big deal because it was able to achieve this connection at 155 to 175 gigahertz, which is very high frequency at about 100 meters Mm. and traditionally these higher bands have had a very hard time dealing with distance so this is considered a big deal for 6g because it allows for much better communications over distances and you know when you have 20 gigahertz of spectrum to play with um that's a lot of spectrum that you can send a lot of data and lots of You can do with it, so um, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the LG announcement, um, for around 6G, and then Samsung announced a 6G announcement, but it was more of like a long term investment, which kind of builds on what you were talking about, which is that Samsung itself, just Samsung, is going to invest almost 200 billion dollars over the next three years into chips, biotech, and 6G. Um, and that's really a big deal because. Uh, Well, first of all, Samsung is a huge part of the South Korean economy, but also Samsung is a massive player in um, the chip industry with all of its fabs Mm -hmm. and with 6G as Samsung starts to become the, you know, de facto um, option among many operators around the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see Samsung become, you know, one of the top four choices when it comes to building a 5G network. Yeah. So I have a strong feeling that 6G will very likely uh, follow that path and give Samsung even more opportunity to grow.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, and you know, if you look at you know, the four infrastructure provider names that I mentioned earlier, I mean, obviously, you know, Huawei is, is struggling. They're, they're losing share because of the entity listing and, and that sort of thing. Samsung continues to grow its footprint outside of its traditional market. And to your point with their their semiconductor capabilities, I mean, this may be a really big bet on their part to really cement themselves, you know, in the number three position. I mean, you know, Nokia is turning the ship around, you know, under their new CEO. um, They've they've closed the gap from, you know, from the financials perspective. They're investing, I believe, in all the right things when you look at OpenRAN and and private networking. But um, they don't have the war chest that Samsung has to invest in something like 6G. So this may give Samsung networks an opportunity to even maybe find that number two position. I I still think Ericsson is gonna be the go-to when you look at just historically their consistent performance And the ones that they keep, you know, racking up, I I read this week that, um, you know, Ericsson opened up another proof of concept lab, I believe it's in Dallas at their North America headquarters. Um, And so they continue to fire on all cylinders. But yeah, this is certainly encouraging. I mean, Samsung is serious about mobile networking.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you look at what Samsung Networks has done in the last two years, um, you know, they've gone from zero to hero very quick. Yeah. And um, it's not just off one technology.
0: I agree. Well, hey, I think we actually kept it around 15 minutes this week, but uh, it was another great podcast. Buddy, why don't you take us home?
1: Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to reach out um, and provide specific insight on our specific topic for 5G for future podcasts, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Whale Teletech Tech and I'm at On Shell Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune again next week.